Each day, humans take about 26,000 breaths. And when breathing properly, we should be taking four to six deep breaths per minute. But most of us take 16 to 20 breaths per minute because we're breathing so shallow. Next fun fact, we should be getting 90% of our energy from breath. But most of us, because we don't breathe properly, are only getting about 10 to 20% of our energy from breath. So I'm going to ask you a question. With everything that you have going on throughout the day, every day, all the things, do you think about your breathing? Most of the time, for most of us, the answer is no, because it's on autopilot. It's just something that our bodies do. But what happens if you can't breathe? You panic. What happens if you don't breathe long enough? You die. But what does breath have to do with faith? That's what we're talking about today on this episode of Her Faith at Work. Let's go. Truth time. When's the last time you raised your hands for a swift kick in the pants? Well, I'm the no-nonsense type friend who's going to tell you when you have food in your teeth. So let's get right to it. This is your infusion of sacred and secular, calling you higher into who God created you to be, how intimately faith applies to every part of your life, and how you can live that faith walk every single day in the marketplace. I've felt the tension of separation of church and state. I've been one of a few women at a table of men for decades, and I've stood my ground. Are you ready to do the same? These tools, resources, and interviews are meant to do just that. I'm Jan Touchberry, and it's time to share Her Faith at Work. Welcome back to Her Faith at Work. I'm so glad that you are here for another episode. If this is your first one, we are on episode seven, and I would really encourage you to go back and listen to the other six if you have time and you are so inclined. I would love it if you would give the show a follow, and even if you have just a few minutes, go over to Apple podcasts and give us a review. Those reviews are life to podcasts and they actually help the algorithms pick us up and push us out to more people. And I am a firm believer that technology is used by the Lord to bring his word to people who need it exactly when they need it. And so my hope and prayer is that this podcast falls into that category and it hits you and others at the exact right time with the exact right message that the Lord has for you. So today we are talking about breath. Human beings can live for only about four to six minutes without breath, without oxygen, and then we die. But what does breath have to do with faith? That's the question that we're talking about today. And I'm going to dive into a lot of scripture here. So if you're driving, obviously no need to grab your Bible, but if you happen to be sitting, you might want to grab your Bible because we are definitely going to be going a little bit deep. The first passage of scripture that I want to read to you is actually one of my very favorite passages in the whole Bible. My daughter actually has this, uh, a tattoo version of this on her arm, and it's actually one of my favorite pieces of art that she has. We are going to dive into Ezekiel chapter 37. I know some of you may not even know where Ezekiel is, and that's okay. It's a learning process. Ezekiel's in the Old Testament. And we're going to talk about the Valley of Dry Bones. And I'm just going to read to you Ezekiel 37 verses 1 through 14 out of the ESV version. And this is what it says. The hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out into the spirit of the Lord 
and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones and he led me around among them and behold, there were many on the surface of the valley and they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Lord God, only, you know, and he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you and I will cause flesh to come upon you and I will cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds and breathe and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and the breath came into them, and they lived and they stood on their feet, an exceeding army. It's interesting to me that in this particular passage of scripture, the miracle took place in two parts. So as I'm envisioning it, as I'm reading it, the Lord transports Ezekiel into this vision, and he's in this valley full of bones. And when it says at the end that there was a vast army. Y'all, that had to be a lot of bones. And I'm kind of not picturing them just all laid out one by one. I'm picturing, actually, what I'm picturing in my mind is the trash dump that's by my house. It's piled full of trash. I'm picturing a valley piled full of bones, just random bones. They're not skeletons, they're bones. It doesn't say that it was a valley full of skeletons. It says a valley full of bones. So Ezekiel speaks and the bones come together to form human skeletons. And then the sinew gets added and then the flesh gets added. But it says they were still not alive. There was no life in them. And then part two of the miracle happens when the Lord says prophesy to the breath to come into them and live. And so that's exactly what he does. He calls the breath from the four winds. The breath enters these bodies, these dead bodies, and they lived and they stood on their feet and they became a vast army. So I was listening to a podcast last week and they were talking about the word for breath in the Bible. And specifically in this chapter, that word is ruach. It's a Hebrew word and it means breath, wind, or spirit. In this particular passage, these bodies had form but they had no life until the spirit entered them. You may have form, but you don't really live until the spirit is working in you, until he breathes in you. There was order, but no life. In Genesis 2 verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living creature. In Proverbs Chapter four, verse 20, it says, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, let them not escape from your sight, keep them in your heart for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. In Job chapter 33, verse four, it says the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life. In Genesis chapter one, 
verse two, it says, and the earth was without form and void and the darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, the breath of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. He brought order out of chaos. In Psalm 33, six, it says the heavens were made by the word of the Lord and all the stars by the breath spirit, Ruach of his mouth. So are you seeing here this pattern in the old Testament of the spirit of God, the breath of God, the Ruach of God being linked to life and without it, there is no life. So now I want to flip over to the New Testament and talk about breath there. Okay. So in the Old Testament, Hebrew, as a recap, breath was translated from the word ruach, breath, wind, and spirit. In the New Testament, which was mostly written in Greek, the word breath is translated from the word pneuma, which means spirit, soul, or breath. So you see the translation. It really is the same word, two different languages, same word. So if you grew up in the church like I did, or you've been around church for a long time, this passage of scripture may be familiar to you. And I hope that maybe you see some things in it that you didn't before. I know that I did as I was studying for this podcast. So Ephesians 6, we're going to start in verse 12, where it describes the reasoning behind what the armor of God actually is. So in verse 12, it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Okay, verse 13, here's the armor. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, Numa breath, which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit, Numa breath. So word of God and prayer, breath. Pretty cool, right? So I want to dive into those two things, the word of God and prayer. Those are things that he says to have all the time. In Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, it says that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So being the curious person that I am, what did I do? I Googled two-edged sword, and here's what I found. Two-edged swords are more adaptable and slightly faster than their one-edged counterparts, allowing the user to be faster in battle. However, it takes more practice to use it properly. I find that very interesting. In other words, the two-edged sword, the word of God, we've got to practice it. We have to be using it all the time. Practice makes perfect, right? Practice, practice, practice. What do they say about learning something? You have to practice or do it for 10,000 hours to become an expert. How many of us can say that we've spent 10,000 hours in the word? I think some of us might be able to say we've spent 10,000 hours binging TV, but I'm not sure that many of us could say that we've spent the time and energy and effort that it takes to become the expert at the word, the two-edged sword the sword of the spirit that we've been given to fight the enemy's onslaughts that come at us from all angles every single day. 
I want to go back to the part at the very end. It's almost a tag because technically I don't think this is part of the armor of God, but it encompasses and covers all of the armor of God. And that's prayer. It says that we should pray at all times in the spirit breath. So if you've listened to the podcast at all, or you happen to know me, you know that I work full-time at a church and at our church, as with many churches, I'm sure we have a lot of meetings, a lot, but at church, it's a little bit different than in the business place because our meetings typically start with prayer. When you have a lot of meetings that start the same way, every time it can become tedious, it can become habit, it can become rote. It can become something that we just ritualistically do because we think we're supposed to with no real meaning behind it. And in some situations, I'm even going to go as far as to say that it can be used as a punishment, punishment for being late to the meeting, punishment for making eye contact with the person leading the meeting. And we laugh and joke about it. But my friends, I'm here to tell you that prayer is not drawing the short straw. Prayer is our way to communicate with God. And it was paid for with a high price of Jesus' blood on that cross. If he hadn't died for us, we would have separation and we would not be able to communicate, to pray the way that we do. So we should consider it an honor and a privilege to pray. We should practice it. We should get good at it. We should want to pray all the time. Just that revelation that prayer is not the short straw has changed the way that I look at the prayers that start my meetings. I'm ashamed to say after 30 plus years of vocational ministry that it's taken me this long to realize that, that I spent so long treating such a powerful weapon as something so trivial. My friends, if you identify with that, can you... Can you make a pact with me that we're going to change that today? We're going to start working toward changing that and treating prayer as the honor and the privilege it is that we are able to come before the God of the universe through the precious blood of Christ and that the spirit breath is interceding for us in prayer all the time. It's something that hopefully Lord willing, I will never take for granted again. So I want to dive into a few more passages of scripture here back on the word of God. The Bible is the word of God. And in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says this, all scripture is breathed out, breathed, pneuma, spirit, breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. When we meditate on the word of God, we are literally taking in God's breath. The same breath that brought life out of chaos in Genesis, the same breath that breathed life into bones in Ezekiel, that same breath that raised Jesus from the dead at the resurrection, we have the power through scripture to take that in every single day. So I want to dive into some of the things that it says in this second Timothy passage that the scripture does for us. So it brings teaching or understanding. It allows us to understand in Job chapter 32, verse eight, it says this, but it is the spirit in man, the breath of the almighty that makes him understand. So my question to you is where are you getting your understanding? If I could 
understand my business, if I could understand my circumstances, if I could understand my spouse, if I could understand my children, fill in the blank. Where should we be getting it? Through the word. How many of us are doing that first? I'm an avid podcast listener, y'all. And again, I'm going to go into the ashamed category as saying that I prob not probably, I do get more of my learning from my podcasts of other people than through the word. And that has to change. It says that it brings correction or reproof. Reproof is a weird word. We don't really use that, but it actually means scolding or rebuke. In Proverbs, Proverbs, such a good book. Proverbs chapter 15, verse five, it says, a fool despises his father's discipline, correction, but a person who accepts correction is sensible. You want to be a fool or do you want to be sensible? And then I love at the end of this passage in 2 Timothy 3, 17, it says that the man of God or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, every good work. In Philippians 1, 6, it says, I'm sure of this, that he, God, who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The Bible promises that he will finish what he started in you, but it also says that the word of God is used to do that. So at the very beginning of the podcast, I quoted a stat that we should be getting 90% of our energy from taking deep, sustaining breaths. But because we're doing it wrong, we're only able to get 10 to 20% of our energy from the breath. So I'm going to leave you with this question. Are you taking in the deep, life-sustaining breath through the word of God and prayer? Or are you taking shallow, insignificant breaths and living in a spiritually oxygen-depleted atmosphere? Get into the word and prayer today, friends, and just watch how God changes things. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Her Faith at Work. If the Lord put someone on your heart that you think needs to hear this message today, will you just smash that share button? And if you haven't already followed the show, I would love for you to do that. Super extra points if you hop over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. That helps the algorithm pick us up and drop us right in the AirPods of people that need to hear what the Lord is saying to them today. I hope you'll come back for the next episode of Her Faith at Work. The podcast comes out every Wednesday. And if you look down in the show notes, I've even got a couple of free downloads for you that I think you will really enjoy. With that, have a great week. See you next time.